rise and shine. Pour yourself a cup of coffee and tune in to Good Morning Aurora. News, weather, and really cool interviews. Monday through Friday from 8 to 9 a.m. Good morning, Aurora. Good morning, Aurora. Good morning, Aurora. It is now 8, 10 a.m. I know what you're thinking. It's damn near good afternoon, Aurora. But rest assured, we're here for you. And we're still going to have a great show today. Now, here's the important thing. It's Monday. We've got a small recap to do. But I want to let you guys know that we are joined by a great guest, Shannon Cameron of the Paramount School of the Arts. Hey. Good morning, Aurora. All claps are live until we get the clap button. Uh, we have some quick updates for you guys, and then we're going to get into our recap and then get into our interview with Shannon Cameron. Hope that you guys had a safe, positive, blessed, and dedicated weekend. Emergency rental assistance, very important. The city of Aurora has launched a $500,000 emergency rental assistance program to support residents who have overdue rent payments because of the financial strain caused by COVID-19. Complete an application today by going online at www.auroratacil.org slash rental assistance. For those who are not sailors, a tack is just a dash. That's jargon. Residents that are eligible to apply for assistance must have a current signed lease agreement for a rental house or apartment license within the city, a loss or reduction of income due to COVID-19, a documentation that past due rent is owed. Uh, apply for up to two months of past due rent. For complete program details, again, visit that website. And we will post this. We have posted it, but we will keep uh, reposting it to make sure that you guys get the information, get the message, and get that squared away. Remember that we are still on the state of Illinois' COVID-19 watch list, Kane and Will counties. Now, that's from last week. Two of Aurora's four counties, um, ourselves and Will included, uh, were added to the state's COVID-19 watch list for increased metrics. Now, washing your hands is very important. And if you were aware not too long ago, there was the free mask giveaway that took place downtown at the uh, train station, or as we like to call it, the Metro. Uh, it took place there. Willie Wilson came out and uh, handed out masks with the City of Aurora team. It was a great initiative, and they handed out a lot of masks. Uh, those things are still going on, so please, in your respective areas of Kane and Will County, take a look and see where those free mask giveaways specifically are happening. The Aurora Food Pantry's Carts for a Cause. September is Hunger Action Month. Paint a shopping cart. And help put a spotlight on hunger. Artists are needed. Now, shout out to our friends, Viso Arts. Shout out to Aurora Downtown. And also shout out to the Aurora Food Pantry, who has been doing great things for the city since the COVID-19 crisis started. And uh, there's been a lot of creative stuff going on at the Aurora Food Pantry. So please reach out to Carts for a Cause. Paint a shopping cart to help. And contact Becky at 630-692-3061. Or email rdunnigan two ends aurora food pantry.org all right and last but definitely not least i want to tell you guys about the alley arts festival now the alley arts festival is a little bit storied in aurora okay uh it's been there for a while uh, there's been a lot of good stuff going on with alley art festivals over the years um, but what's different about this is that this is its 10th year. It's the time of COVID, but the events will be at uh, Wickwood House, Cotton Sea Creative Exchange. The festival is thrown by the Aurora Downtown Nonprofit Group uh, and hand be held at excuse me a handful of venues throughout 
downtown. Society 57, the Yeetie, Warehouse 55, and SciTech. Shout out to SciTech. Ah, Arlene. All right. The festival will feature artists and artisans from noon to 5 at each location. Live musicians will be performing outdoors in public spaces downtown during the event. Quote, we are taking state guidelines seriously and all vendors will be wearing masks and practicing social distancing. End quote. And that's Marissa, friend of the show. On the 29th, some of the same shops will be open for a compendium. Are y'all hip? Are y'all woke? We told you about compendium last week. Now we have to wrap this up, so we'll post compendium again. Shout out to everybody involved in compendium from here to Batavia. All right, and that is the news for the day. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> so now we're going to get into our interview with Shannon Cameron, and we're glad that you came on to the show. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah. I appreciate yeah. being here. Very well, cool. welcome. Yeah. Why, why don't you tell everybody who you are and where you're from? Sure. So... Shannon Cameron, I'm the Director of Education and Community Engagement for the Paramount Theater and the Paramount School of the Arts. Um, I am originally from Lincoln, Nebraska. Grew up, at, you know, as a Midwest girl in Nebraska, but have sort of lived all over um, the country and even studied in London for a little bit as well. Um, I've been rather nomadic <laughs> in my oh. life, um, but my sister has lived in a Chicago suburb for, um, gosh, 15 plus years so when this job came about um she lives in naperville now it seemed like a great opportunity for me to be closer to her and her children who have i haven't been able to be as involved in their lives because i've traveled all over um and of course the job itself was a dream opportunity for me too so um ended up moving out here and now my parents are out here too so um they lived in nebraska all their lives and they've moved out here since they're both their kids are out here now so our whole family's out here which is great so i feel like we're really planning roots and i love aurora and the community here so i'm so happy to be a part of it that's great yeah and tell us about your educational background sure so um Part of my nomadic life has to do with my educational um, background. So I started out at Webster Conservatory in St. Louis, uh, Missouri. Actually, it's Webster Groves technically, but um, and uh, it I started out as a musical theater major. I really wanted to be an actor, um, and then while I was studying there, I was noticing that um, I was more interested in production elements, the whole show is interested in being a director and educator, things like that. So I ended up um, deciding to take a step back from conservatory. I took advantage of their study abroad programs. I went to London, saw theater that I had never seen before, blew my mind. I was so excited by some of the more, uh, I guess you could say, avant-garde companies that existed um, and was like, oh, yes, this is what's interesting to me. Um, and then I ended up in uh, Emerson College in Boston, Massachusetts, finishing my uh, degree in theater education. And then um, I taught all over for a while and then went back for my MFA in directing for stage and screen, actually at my old hometown in Lincoln, Nebraska, oh. at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln. They have a very unique program where it's both um, uh, directing for, for the screen for film and for uh, the stage, and I thought that would amp me up with a bunch of more um, skills than I had at the current time. And then, um, and then I worked in professional theater for a while out in um, New York and uh, Princeton, New Jersey, and um, and then I found my way back to teaching just because I f and education and. Uh, because I wanted to be a positive force of change in people's lives. And although I love professional theater, I felt like I was better suited in a different aspect of it. 
What impact has your dad had on your life? My father, uh, I think both my parents, but especially my dad um, as well, has been incredibly positive and a cheerleader. You know, I played a million sports when I was a kid. He coached teams that I was on. Um, but when I started to go more towards the arts, which was Although he was a musician, he was a percussionist, and he did that. He didn't have much experience in those things, and um, he was a cheerleader of mine. Like he jumped all in and would come see every show. He goes and sees theater now. He's a subscriber at the theater here. <laughs> you know, um, I as I think it took me t until I became a teacher to realize how lucky I was to have the parents that I have, um, and how supportive they are, especially when your child chooses a. Um, non-traditional career track <laughs> as I have um, and they've just believed in me always and I am incredibly grateful uh, for their support and love throughout the years yeah, it is. Yeah. that's interesting um, what is so Lincoln Nebraska mm -hmm. um, for those who have not been to Nebraska <laughs> Lincoln Nebraska yeah. um, when you go back home is there much cultural shock for you and things like that or um, explain Lincoln, Nebraska for the Auroran. Sure. So Lincoln is the capital of Nebraska. Population density is mostly in eastern Nebraska, um, where Omaha and Lincoln are only about 45 minutes apart. So, And that's where the majority of the people live in the state. I also have lived in central Nebraska in Hastings and Kearney and much smaller towns, but still those are actually higher population for most of the rest of the state. Um, Lincoln is a big um, college town. University of Nebraska Lincoln's there. Um, football is very important to Nebraskans. Uh, we don't have any pro teams, so the college teams uh, get all the love. Uh, and it's a... Um, it was a great place to grow up, you know. I felt like I had lots of opportunities um, I had some of the comforts of the city, but it was also like incredibly, you know, safe place to be a kid and um, had access to the arts with um, big kind of similar institutions to the Paramount, but in um, in Lincoln. So I was grateful for that. But also I was ready to get out when I was yeah. 17 <laughs> and graduating. I was like, everybody no, is that age. Yeah. But again, just like I said about my parents, you know, I think it took me. Um, actually living in Boston was like to appreciate the Midwestern qualities I had and to be like, I'm proud to be where I'm from because originally I was like, no, I don't want to be a Midwesterner. Oh. You know, <laughs> but now I'm really grateful for those aspects of me. Um, and, you know, and it has a thriving arts culture there too, um, which I threw myself into as a kid and a young adult and even when I was back in grad school. So yeah, that's very I, cool. I think I really appreciate those people that do, um, that are passionate about the arts that don't just go to the coast, you know, and make sure that they have thriving communities um, like the one in Aurora, for example. What's the best thing, it's my next question actually, what's the best thing about Aurora? Um, the people, I think, and uh, the, the love they have for their community the fact that people are so eager to collaborate, um, to work together, to create, to solve problems, to um, make a better place for others, I think 
you know, I was a newbie to this area. I didn't know Aurora at all when I came. And I think people welcomed me with open arms. My first thing was I did was just go around and listen and try to understand what this community wanted the school to be, wanted, um, needed the Paramount to be for them. And we still have a lot of that work to do, but I, I was so excited with the eagerness people had to just collaborate. Let's let's make things happen together. And, um, and I think that's been really exciting. Um, I love our unique downtown and that um, it doesn't look like other downtowns and it doesn't function necessarily like other downtowns, but in the most wonderful way, you know, we are an urban downtown in many ways, um, but we have really cool events, really amazing businesses that are down here, um, really wonderful people that have thrown not only their life savings, but their whole selves into creating really remarkable places and experiences for people. So all of that, I mean, I could go on and on about Aurora. I love it. So <laughs> <laughs> That's a great lead-in because we're mm -hmm. so fortunate to have the School of the Arts here. What's that story? So the story began um, when Tim Rader, our president and CEO of the Paramount Theater, was hired uh, just over 10 years ago, 11 years ago. Um, and his two dreams for the Paramount when he was hired, as many people might know, the Paramount Theater for years was mostly like a bus and truck place, meaning um, we'd bring in shows, we'd bring in events, we didn't produce our own, and Tim Rader wanted to produce his own, and that was the advent of the Broadway series. So the Broadway series, we started to rehearse, hire directors, build the sets ourselves, et cetera, and produce theater here, rather than just bringing in a big tour of um, you know, a national tour or something like that. And um, so that started, and because of the success of the Broadway series, series we are um, it allowed for a second dream to happen, which was to create a school. When he was in Arlington Heights, um, he created a school out there, but he kind of envisioned something grander here in Aurora, and that's what we created. Um, so with the help of um, many people, um, many donors, and of course the Dunham Fund, um, we were able, and our collaboration with the community builders who are in sort of created the developer that created the apartments, the artist apartments that are above the school, we were allowed to create it. And so I was hired in 2017 to start to begin the journey of what the school is going to be. And we opened um, a, you know, a little over a year ago. So we opened a year ago last June. So really, I was kind of had two years of that building process. We thought we were going to be open a little earlier than we were, but of course, um, those of you who don't know, Stolp Island is sort of built on trash. Right. Um, and so <laughs> we had to put some helical piers in to stabilize the ground, so that set us back. But, um, but we really wanted to create a place that everyone could access the arts. So that's one of our core values at the school. Um, we're a nonprofit. There's very few School of the Arts that are nonprofits. We are. Um, and it's important to us that the entire Aurora community and beyond can access our high quality arts education. Yeah. What's some of the, um, so who are uh, some people that you, besides the Dunham Fund and everything mm -hmm. like that, uh, community folks who've come through there with their initiatives uh, that you've worked with? 
So there's a lot of things that we have done um, in conjunction with the theater as well. So I, I, I'm the director of the school, but I'm also director of community engagement. And um, Andrea Picture, who is sort of our community engagement person, has worked a lot with community members in different ways. Um, for example, when we did Legally Blonde, <laughs> the musical um, well last fall, <laughs> we, we kind of find themes that lie within the show and try to find connections and ways to en engage the community within the shows or the ideas of the show. Um, and so in Legally Blonde, there is a particular moment of, um, of sexual harassment with a professor. This was in the height of the Me Too movement. When that was put on, we thought it would be important to kind of empower our students with some training. And so we actually collaborated with Mutual Ground and with uh, the Aurora Police Department. We did, Mutual Ground did a presentation on sexual harassment training and dating violence for teens in the area. We also collaborated with Aurora, um, with uh, West Aurora Public Schools too. They allowed us to use a space. And then the police department did a self-defense training as well. Um, so we do things like that often where we want to collaborate with other local organizations to help fill their mission, which, you know, Mutual Ground is very much about um, education and, um, of course, uh, lots of support of um of survivors of domestic violence and things like that too but i think um we want to help others fulfill their mission along with us so um so we've done many things like that we've worked with um the neighbor project we've worked oh, with shout out to rick um, guzman yeah, <laughs> rick. Um, and rick was actually a huge part of the school happening because when he worked at the city he was really instrumental in finding ways for us to apply for um, certain funding at the federal and state level um, and tax credits and all of that stuff, to, the stuff that I could not explain to you, really, if I tried um, to make it happen. So we love Rick and we love what he does with the Neighbor Project and everyone there. Um, so there's so at the Aurora Public Library, we're, we're consistently partners with them. So lots, lots of places that we try to connect with and um, collaborate with. And yeah. we're always happy for more. So, yeah. <laughs> it's like what yes. you said, that everybody is working together. If I don't know something, you're willing to help me and everyone's just trying to, you know, yeah. build a stronger community. Well, and we want to make sure that the community that um, comes to see a show at the Paramount also can have access to all the other great organizations that are happening. So we can bring our audience, our patrons, um, to these organizations, help them educate about them. They can have a bigger impact then. Um, and vice versa. We're hoping that, you know, um, we what we're bringing to these other organizations, they can bring to us too. And it's uh, hopefully a win-win for everybody. Very mm -hmm. cool. The time is now... 828 and you are listening to good morning aurora the second largest city's first daily news podcast and we are sitting with shannon cameron and one more thing too the artisan lofts mm -hmm. that was something too that's innovative and gives opportunities to people artists um, in that area yeah so for those of you that don't know so there's the you may have on galena and scope you'll see a big sign the john c dunham aurora art center and within that kind of big old building there's actually two historical buildings that we've renovated um we have the artisan lofts which are the top two floors and um the community builders as i mm -hmm. mentioned before is actually a non-profit developer they're based in boston but have a chicago office and they're actually working on other properties down in downtown chicago mm -hmm. i mean 
Aurora, Aurora. downtown Aurora now, which is exciting. Um, so they are a, um, it's affordable housing um, and it's artist preferred. So that means anyone can apply for housing, but first preference is given to artists. And there's a bit of a portfolio process where you present what that is. And not just visual artists, of course, but we have poets and filmmakers and uh, musicians and all sorts, actors um, that live in those lofts. And they're beautiful. Um, they're really lovely apartments. Um, they also have community spaces within them. So there's um, a great, like there's a room with a green screen so you can do some video work and has a million um, internet ports, things like that. They have private music studio, they have a group music studio, they have a dance room, you know, so, so not only, and every apartment has like a paint sink in it, um, they're supporting the artists in a variety of ways. So, so where you would have to maybe rent out for rehearsal space for your band or whatever, it's actually part of that apartment, oh. which is awesome. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, so, <laughs> so that's great. <laughs> and it's very, um, it's, you know, the rent is half what it is in other areas of the city. So um, that's really exciting. And it's, you, you have to make under a certain income level to um, be in there, but then, once you're in, they want you to make more and more and more. So right. you don't you don't get kicked out when you make more than that. They want to support artists. Um, and then also within the John C. Dunham Arts uh, Aurora Arts Center, of course, is the school. And then um, Amy Morton's Stope Island Socials on the corner. And then also our rehearsal spaces for the Paramount. And we have some artist apartments of our own. When we're bringing in out-of-town artists or directors, we have a couple um, units in there that we can house people or master teachers, something like that. It's gorgeous because mm -hmm. I was I got to see it at the construction mm -hmm. and then the grand opening and you can go in these apartments and look outside and you don't even think it looks like you're in a downtown Chicago yeah loft especially at that intersection yes it's all really the buildings yeah. just like it, it's very modern Is that the picture it's where amazing. you had the, the uh, hard hat on that's the picture I have the hard hat on my bobblehead for those not uh, for those not familiar with that picture it's an inside co-host host kind of thing that was really cool. You had your thing going on that day. <laughs> Women in business with three hard hats. Cool um, Not everyone can rock a hard hat, but. Yeah, no, you know. exactly. Yeah. Some people, uh, they put the safety goggles over their regular glasses. That's, right. That's but then you yeah. step step it up and get safety goggles with your prescription. Boom. Oh. Oh, okay. That's how you know you're serious. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, so, ballet. Mm -hmm. Now, the Paramount School of the Arts has a what looks to be a thriving ballet uh, i don't know if it's a class or an environment talk about that yeah so actually this year we're uh we've launched the paramount dance project okay. which is a um, dance company and um we are really interested in training that's you know for all of our the art farms we're very focused <clears throat> on specifically training and making sure that every individual person that comes in has we kind of meet you where you're at and then give you the the tools to um and the challenges often so you can grow um and so we launched this company this year in a way to expose kids to a variety of things um you know ballet you would normally hear from people is the foundation of all dance well foundation of all western dance um and for us 
we were thinking about there's um Ballet is the foundation of all Western dance. Many people would say that. Didn't mean to cut. No, I, um, we love history on this yeah. show. I, I apologize <laughs> for cutting off. Please get down. So, so if you were to take, for example, a jazz class or mm-hmm. something like that, we'd say, well, you need to start with the foundations of ballet um, first. Well, I'm challenging that a little bit this year and thinking about it um, and saying, well, it might be the foundation again for Western dance, but not the foundation for all dance. Mm. And the fact is, is that kids should, and, and adults for that matter, should be exposed to a variety of ways to move and express. So um, although we will teach ballet and continue to and focus on technique in that way, um, we're also bringing West African dance teachers in to teach master classes where uh, modern dance teachers, where if you go to most collegiate programs in this country, they are modern dance based. However, if you look at most dance studios in the area, they're not teaching modern at all. So it's a conflict of expectation of what the professional dance world is, which is a lot of modern dance, opposed to what we're training kids for, which is a lot of competitive dance and things like that. So Mm. we're kind of refocusing um, and making sure that we're giving a well-rounded dance education. And, um, you know, and a lot of that came out of some really looking at what sort of spaces we are creating, not only at the theater, but at the school. You know, we want to make sure that our spaces look like our city ourselves, you know, um, and that they also are safe and um, a place where all students can grow. And so if we're just pushing the, the you know, I love ballet. I love ballet. Not, right. Nothing wrong with ballet. And it does give great technique, foundation, um, strength, all of that thing that um, a student needs and those will be included but it's just saying it's not the only thing and that and the fact is if maybe you aren't great at ballet we don't want a student to think they can't be great at any form of movement and dance um so and just like a ballerina might not be great at that west african dance but we can find ways for them to succeed and that ballerina still might be able to open up move in different ways um, because of that experience with that different form of dance so we're really just about getting kids to expose seeing what's out there and going and finding their passions in different ways Um, so that dance project um, is really our company and we hope to perform with it Um, we hope to um, we are not a competitive dance place and the reason for that is is mostly because it cuts off access for kids competitive dance is incredibly expensive right Um, not only yes, do you have to is. pay to go to the competitions, <laughs> you have to pay for every um, new costume and you have to pay for so, you know, private lessons. All It just adds up, adds up. And it's thousands and thousands of dollars that are people are paying to do competitive dance. And we decided not to do that strictly because that means a lot of our students won't be able to do it. And that was not OK with us. So. Yeah, that's uh, so that was actually why I uh, would prompt me to ask that question, because before we started talking, mm-hmm. I was mentioning the, the social media you guys have, mm-hmm. which I've been following you guys. I follow you guys on the on the Veterans Council page, too. <laughs> nice, um, nice. And yeah, you guys, it's diverse. I'm seeing a lot of stuff, but I there's a lot of uh, different places that I were seeing in the area did not do uh, ballet or other types of dancing. Mm-hmm. So you guys seem really well, well rounded with the. Yeah, I mean, our styles. that's our hope, right? That um, and we we're growing all the time, you know. So we've only been in in a year, and unfortunately, the coronavirus happened in the spring. So um, we feel a bit like we're being strangled in our crib, you know. Um, we we're just getting momentum, and then that happened. So we have planned 
fall um, for seven weeks is online for our students with the hope that some classes will be able to go back in person at week eight, but also knowing we have no idea what's going right. to happen. And um, we're just being really upfront with our families and say we have seven weeks. It might be all semester and just kind of going with the flow. But we see this is a time where kids really need arts education. Um, they really need a place that, I mean, I think they always do. I mean, obviously I'm a little biased in my <laughs> feeling of that, but I've seen how, uh, I've been a classroom teacher. I've been, um, for years, I, I see how the arts change lives and, um, kids need that now. Kids need to find their, um, their their second home and their their safe place and often that is in the arts and even if it's over zoom they're surrounded by people like them um with passions like them and with nurturing teachers that are there for them and help them express themselves especially in a time where we're all on screens i think is really important and we want to offer kids as diverse offerings as possible to keep them interested keep them growing during this time Jen Ingram, who's a local artist, mm -hmm. was here a couple weeks ago. She said the exact same thing, and she was doing art classes yeah. and just the importance of getting kids that outlet, you know, to express themselves, Yeah, especially now. Yeah, I think that's so important, and I think parents, of course, are just stressed right now and um, having to make really difficult decisions, which we understand about whether my sh student should go back or not or how am I going to navigate this and I think hopefully giving kids an opportunity to the arts can be or take care of their mental health somewhat we think with that um, and also making sure that you're keeping some normalcy in their life if they would have taken that ballet class or that um, you know that theater class when it was non-coronavirus time, um, let's give them that again, and so they have some normalcy this yeah. year. Yeah. Uh, you you mentioned that you had been to London. Yeah. Talk about uh, theater in London, and then theater in the United States. Well, I think one of the biggest differences is how it's supported. So in the UK, there's lots of um, you know funding at the national level for the arts. It's and it's taught at a much younger level. So drama is incorporated into theater, specifically um, into even elementary school curriculum, where here you're lucky if you have a high school theater teacher, and that's probably not the only thing they teach. They probably teach English or speech or something else, you know? Um, so it's just valued as something that kids should be exposed to at a much younger age. Um, so it's more a part of the culture and just in general there, which I thought was interesting. And then you can go to the National Theater in London and they're, you know, doing these incredible performances. But there's lots of um, theaters, lots of all different types of theater. One, The one that I fell in love with, which was called uh, Teatro de Complicité, um, but now they just go by Complicité, is a um, is a group that actually is an international group. So they, many of the artists speak different languages and they do what's called devised theater work as they create it as they go. Um, so they come together, they create a piece together, and it could take a year, two years to create that. Um, that ha that's happening in America too, um, but I think some of those things get to happen in the UK or places like it, and then they come this way because um, they're able to thrive there in a different way um, than they are sometimes in America. We um, theater in the U.S. There's amazing theater companies, but we're, they're struggling right now. Um, all the arts are, and I think unfortunately 
right now, due to what's happened, we were so, one of the first to close and we'll be the last to come back. Um, mm. And because obviously, you know, our theater seats 1,800 people. And when can you imagine sitting with, you know, 1,799 of your closest friends again? Um, right. <laughs> and so I think what the community needs to realize is that um, we're going to lose lots of arts institutions this the year. The art community or the Aurora uh, community? Oh, everyone. everyone. <laughs> I think, yeah. But Aurora, yeah. too. We're going to lose a lot of arts institutions this year. You know, we've already seen theaters in Chicago fold, um, and Chicago is a rich theater community. Um, and that's that's scary. I mean, I think the Paramount will hold on due to the community support, um, and we're encouraged by our next or we're going to open up a show in June. That's kind of the next time we plan to have audiences. Um, but, you know, it's we're, t we're taking a huge hit this year. Um, and, of course, we've had to furlough over 90% of our staff. Um, so it's hard, you know. Um, even staples in our community, um, we just no don't know if they'll be back. So we need people to remember how important art is in their lives and to um, support it how they can right now. Right. And I think one of the ways to do is enroll a kid in Paramount School of the Arts. <laughs> what did you want to be when you grew up? Well, gosh, the first thing I ever really remember is I wanted to be a professor at Harvard, and I wanted to find the cure to arthritis and or cancer. So um, no ambition, um, did not take that track, <laughs> didn't love math um, as much as I thought as a child. Um, <laughs> weirdly wanted to, I mean, I think I've wanted to be a million different things, and I continue to want to be a million different things. I'm still trying to figure it out myself. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've taken lots of weird turns in my career, um, but uh, I, I had this, I think I saw people around me unfortunately suffer from certain conditions, so I wanted to find a way to help them. So that's where that came from as a kid. Um, but I, I definitely wanted to be an actor, I think, starting at age 13 when I found theater and fell in love with it. And I fell in love with it because I found that supportive group of friends. I found a place to, that I could totally be myself. And um, that's why I fell in love with it, I think. And then, then I decided I wanted to pr create those opportunities for kids. So when that big switch happened in college, I realized I wanted to give what I was given and find ways to create something like the Paramount School of the Arts where I could create this space that was safe and encouraging for students to be themselves and find out a way to make them their best selves, you know? Yeah. Who's a person who's not your favorite actor or actress <laughs> but who is perhaps the best, in your opinion, actor or actress? Oh, that's such a hard question. Um, there, oh gosh, you know, there I could name a long list of probably Who's in the front of your brain. mind right now? Who, who, who is the first name um, that popped in your head? Well, you know, you think of like people like Meryl Streep, if you're thinking about film Ooh. actress or something yeah. like that, you know. Um, that is a chameleon in many ways. and um, But... You know, I think of some theater actors as well. I, there's, um, I think I would say I'm always impressed when a film makes me stop thinking about the fact that it's a film and I can get truly invested oh. in the story. So an actor that lets me, um, that I have empathy for, you know, in that moment. Because 
being that I went to film school and I'm a theater director as well, I'm always analyzing like everything. So if I can stop and be in the story and be in that moment, I, I love that actor for it. And I can stop thinking about that shot or that how they set that up or that poor intern that had to make that happen or that poor PA on set, you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah. um, if I can really be invested um, they in, reel the, you in, in the story, and really... then they've done a good job. Yeah. Yeah. What's one? I mean, I would say more. Or a story, but I, even. Oh, a story. Yeah. Um, so uh, let me try to think of the last thing that I that I watched um, uh, that I got very invested in. Well, this was so. Um, uh, I can't think of the name of it. It's Good Morning. I think it's just called. It was. It's on Apple Plus. See, I yeah. knew it. Good morning, Aurora. No, it's good. Uh, it was. It's a series, and it kind of <clears> analyzes. I, th I mean, it's it doesn't go out overtly say it, but what happened with Matt Lauer and the morning show um, and things like oh, yeah. that. And it's got um, Reese Witherspoon, yeah, Reese Witherspoon and Jennifer. Yeah, I think yeah. it's called The Morning yeah. Show. And I thought that story was really compelling. And also um, Little Fires Everywhere, which also Reese. Yes, uh, yes. I find her. I actually think Reese Witherspoon has chosen really interesting projects um, that, and produced. She's a producer. She's mm -hmm. kind of this amazing woman that has really chosen specific stories to tell that need to be told and I think um, that and how it deals with um, race and class specifically that story was really compelling and I thought the acting was great in it too yeah nice. yeah she has a book club yeah. as well yeah it brings a lot of these topics you yeah. know every month to millions of people because of her power yeah so that's great well, she's great Time is now 8.46 a.m. You're listening to Good Morning Aurora, the second largest city's first daily news podcast, and we're speaking with Shannon Cameron. Uh, now, you mentioned June mm -hmm. was the proposed yeah. time. to what, what is starting that initiative off in June? So a show that was supposed to be in this past season, which is Kinky Boots, um, oh, which yeah, um, is, I love that uh, poster. <laughs> I great. love that. <laughs> um, and people like to think, oh, is this going to be a racy, racy show? Um, it's actually a pretty family-friendly show. Um, I don't know if you've seen the movie, um, but the movie, I consider people that are concerned about it, go watch the movie. It used to be on Netflix. I don't know if it still is. But, um, of course, the show is based on the film. Um, but it is really about a relationship it's about relationship with a father. It's about how to um, bridge differences. It's a great show, great music, fun dancing, but a powerful story within it as well. Um, and we're excited to have that be our kind of, it will be a definitely a celebration to be back in the theater when we can be. Um, so we're starting with that in June, sort of kind of finishing up the season we were supposed to have. And then we'll start our regular season after that. Um, and the hope is, you know, we've been renovating the Copley Theater. We put the Bold series on hold. We were supposed to start with that, which is our new um, play series at the theater. But um, but we're hoping to, you know, restart that eventually. And there's another space that we're looking at um, on renovating here in downtown Aurora to keep that as a space in which we're putting one show in that will continually, oops, I knocked that mic, sorry everybody. Um, <laughs> I gesture wildly, it's my theater person in Italian heritage. Um, 
to put a a kind of immersive theater experience in that will ha house one show for a long period of time. So kind of like our once at the theater where there was a bar on stage, you could come have a drink, but in fact that it would be you'd be sitting in that bar and the whole time and with the actors performing around you, things like that. So that's going to be opening up too, um, hopefully very soon. Yeah. So a lot going on there. A lot in. Yeah a lot we're planning to do and you're also on the board for aurora downtown mm -hmm. tell everyone a little bit more about that organization and what they do for yeah the so i uh represent represent the paramount um i'm not an elected board member um there but i'm sort of there's a few different institutions including like wabansi community mm -hmm. college um the fire museum etc where we have people that are appointed to the board so i'm one of those people um we're currently in our election cycle right now um we actually today if you haven't put in your nominations they're due today to nominate if you're a um property holder um down here um nominate some people to be on the board um but uh it's an organization that is provided um ssa one so the people that own property um uh, part of their taxes go to support aurora downtown and we as a board help um, to navigate how we're going to use those um, dollars to beautify the downtown, to make events happen, to bring people into the community to help support the business owners down here and the property, of course, um, and how to make sure that people are coming down here enjoying what our downtown has to offer um, and making sure people know about it, that they're excited about our downtown. And I think with the first Fridays and um, all the different events like Food Truck Festival. Alley Art Festival Alley coming Art up. Coming up. Coco you know, Crawl. There's a long tradition and people are really have taken notice. And our downtown is thriving, you mm -hmm. know. Um, of course, you know, coronavirus has been hard for businesses. Um, but that's, you know, another reason to make sure you're coming down and supporting your favorite local businesses. Is there a rule to acting <laughs> or are there rules? Um, you know, if we we're teaching um, rules, sounds like a, a difficult thing to to say. <laughs> um, what I like to give students when they're acting is a toolbox. I, I give you many different tools to use. And one, some of those tools might work for you. Some of them might not. But the fact is you can have them and you can always access them. And one might work for one character you're playing and another might for, no, for another you're playing. But I'm, I'm always loading you with more tools to use. Um, that It kind of goes to that. There's a lot of Western acting theory that most colleges teach. Um, but there's lots of great things to learn from all traditions of theater. You know, you were taught that, oh, theater taught was, you know, started with ancient Greece. Well, no, it didn't. It started with first peoples around a fire telling stories. Um, so it's really about storytelling, ultimately, and um, taking someone on a journey. And, uh, it, you know, so is there a rule? No. Can I give you lots of different things to make you tell a more compelling story. Yeah, but I think you what your heart is and your experience, what you bring to that, um, and your ability to be authentic and honest in the moment, that is, um, I just want to help you access that as a teacher, you know. Hmm. Uh, when, you, when you think back to your first time on stage, mm -hmm. uh, when you think back to your first time on stage and then you deal with and you develop these young people mm -hmm. and these different individuals, do you 
see yourself in their shoes? Do you empathize with them on that first, perhaps, little bit of nervousness or anxiety that they may have? Or are you just simply the instructor and letting them fly where they where they fly? Oh, yeah. I with. think I I think of a lot about my younger self as I deal with all of these students. Um, and really what my staff and I worked on doing is creating the opportunities we wish we had had. Like, what's the dream? What would be the dream? Oh, to work with these types of people. Let's create that for Aurora area students. So a lot of what we're doing is tapping into who we were and what we would have loved to have and make sure that's available to students. But in that experience, yeah, I think it's so important to remember what these kids are going through. And it's often not just the nerves of that, but like, what are they bringing into class with them? What's going on at home? What's what's going on, um, the stress of being um, not connected to their friends right now, the stress of um, just having to learn from home and what stress that pl places on the family. You know, all of those are things to consider. So um, I think we want to always start with empathy. I think that's one of the most important qualities to have in anybody, but especially an educator, is to, um, and that's why I say we meet students where they're at. I always hate that phrase like, you know, leave everything at the door. Well, that's impossible. No kid can leave all of their experiences at the door and come in fresh and ready, you know. But in fact, we need to realize they may come be coming in with some heavy baggage. And how do we lighten that for them in order for them to... Um, be able to be present in class and learn and grow and actually are we giving them skills to help them um, deal with that that baggage you know better in life and I think we are um, but of course we're just one piece of that that a kid needs you know a village to help them with those things but um, uh, we are we hope that we are one of those you know and a positive force for kids cool and you and your husband are foster parents. We are. We are. Yeah. We went through that. I don't know what made me think, you know, I'm opening up a brand new school. I should You're also take on this other a lot of time on your hands <laughs> life journey and become a foster parent. But um, I was a CASA, which is a, a court appointed special advocate in Nebraska. So I had started to become interested in um, what that meant. Um quite a while ago and went through that training and had a couple cases where I worked with kids in the, um, in the, it, that were foster children. And then we kind of decided to take the next step and went through the training out here. Um, and actually our kids that we had, um, ha have been reunified with their biological mother, which is awesome, which is the hope always with, um, foster placements. And we actually have, now we get to be just another part of her village, right? Like we are support. We, I went down there to help them get registered for school. She calls me every once in a while. We check up. But I love that. Like I get to be a support to them still. Um, but I also get to champion mom for doing the work that she needed to do. And um, I'm really proud of her. And so it's been a huge journey for us. We learned so much about We don't have kids. So um, we learned a lot about ourselves and about our relationship and um, what it means to be a parent I it helped me empathize with other parents in a deeper way um, it made me so grateful for wonderful educators <laughs> that exist out there yeah. and um, I yeah it was intense though it was the most difficult thing I've ever done in my life um, you know when you're dealing with kids that have um, experienced trauma there's a lot you need to do for them and um 
and always remembering that that any behaviors, anything, this is not their fault. This is just, this is their response to trauma. Um, and it is intense, and but so worth making sure that they are, um, have what they need to be successful in life. And we provided the strongest foundation we could in the time we had, you know. But it's hard to say goodbye, too, and it's hard to yeah. take that next step. But, um, yeah, we learned so much through that all experience. And I encourage people that um, they need great foster parents out there, especially people that are willing to really believe in the reunification process. And um, if you can't commit to that, go be learn how to be a CASA. Or just if you happen to know a foster parent, ask if you can babysit a night or something like that. That would help support support your oh. foster families out there. Yeah, they're an amazing it. person. I'm getting all teary on Monday morning. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean, it was you know we're not perfect. That's for sure. And we learned a lot through the, throughout that. And it was really hard especially as the as the pandemic hit, you know, um, hard on me mentally, too. So I think you just need to remember that um, that it's you need to reach out and ask for help, too. I mean, I, I say that to any parent right now, like we get it. And and um, I'm sure there's people re willing to help you out. So if you're feeling the stress of the kids at home all the time, um, ask for help. It's OK. You know, it's it's a hard time right now. Yes. Um, so the time is now 8.57 a.m. Uh, we like to wrap the show up on a positive note. Yeah, great. Um, what's something that the people of Aurora and our listeners should take with them for today and this week? I think I would like people to know that um, they're doing enough right now. <laughs> like that I think <laughs> there's so much stress and anxiety that people have and that – um, you're doing fine. You're doing okay. You're surviving. You're providing for your kids. You're doing what you need to do. Um, and um, and see this as an opportunity to just learn more about yourself. You know, um, that's what I'm doing. So that's what I'm saying for myself. I'm trying to um, expose myself to new things, educate myself. I'm, I'm really rethinking the school in so many ways. So we just launched fall, but how am I going to make sure that experience are even safer, better for kids? So um, think about this as a time to grow and enjoy that the fact that these weird situation is upon us that it's forcing us to grow in new ways and I'm celebrating that I've you know from um, everything that has rained down on us um, since March I think it has I've challenged my thinking on lots of different things challenge what we truly need as a society and I think I that's exciting you know sometimes we don't have that time to pause and really reconsider things and um, I think it will be in the benefit of our students I hope and certainly and those people that are around me um, and I think that's exciting so allow yourself to find a new normal and celebrate it um, and not mourn last normal but embrace what the future has to hold for you and with that I would just like to say on behalf of Good Morning Aurora, take what Miss Cameron said to heart, apply that, be positive, be motivated, be dedicated for whatever you're doing. We'll see you back here tomorrow morning on the second largest city's first daily news podcast. Good morning, Aurora. Peace. Peace.